Hello there, and welcome to the Lancet HIV podcast for the November issue of the journal. Today I'm talking to Andrew Grulick of the Kirby Institute, University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia. Andrew and his colleagues have been studying population level effects of rapid, targeted, high coverage pre exposure prophylaxis, or PrEP, in New South Wales. Hi there, Andrew. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Before we get on to discussing your paper in particular, could you tell us a little bit about the HIV epidemic in New South Wales and the public health response so far? Sure. Uh, so I think you could characterise our, our HIV epidemic as being quite stable. So for more than the last decade, we've been going between three and 400 new HIV diagnoses per year. That's in our population of about 7 million people. And about 80% of those new diagnoses are in men who have sex with men. Um, a fairly important characteristic of our epidemic in general is that we have a highly engaged government uh, in the response. Um, in 2012, they uh, set the goal of virtually eliminating HIV by 2020 and have stuck to that goal. So they have been very closely engaged uh, through the setting of interim targets, which have been loosely based around the UNAIDS 1990-90 targets, so not quite the same, but, but roughly similar to those. Uh, and then more recently, uh, having targets around the rollout of pre-exposure prophylaxis. And I think that having that, um, that highly engaged um, leadership with ambitious goals has been absolutely critical to our, uh, to our approach. Mm-hmm. And just following on from that, how how close are you to reaching the the nineteen ninety ninety targets? Uh, well, we uh, documented uh, about about a year ago now that we believe we've reached the ninety 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 targets uh, only just, uh, but we have reached those. We're now aiming for ninety five percent of people on treatment, and the speed with which we get people on treatment has improved. Absolutely remarkably over the last five years, um, you know, if I'd say five or so years ago, it wasn't standard of care to get people on treatment as quickly as possible. But now um, uh, more than 95% of new diagnoses are in treatment by six months. And in fact, something like half of them are in treatment within uh, six weeks. But our goal is now to increase the six-week target to 90%. So it's, uh, it's changed quite rapidly. Um, but during that period of rapid change, we didn't see the hoped-for decline in, in new diagnoses. And I think that was another part of the government talking to researchers like us and saying, you know, well, we've, we've pretty much reached the treatment as prevention goals. Is there something more we need? And, and it was really after the results came out from the UK PROUD study and the French uh, Ipergay study that, you know, we said, look, the evidence is completely in that pre-exposure prophylaxis is incredibly effective and we should roll it out. Mm-hmm. So that brings us nicely on to uh, your study, which is uh, the EPIC NSW study, which stands for the Expanded PrEP Implementation in Communities New South Wales. Now, why was PrEP implemented under study conditions in this way rather than just being sort of, here you go, here's an intervention that works let's give it to people who need it. Look, I think like a lot of governments around the world, um, our government was sceptical about the cost-effectiveness of PrEP, and particularly when the study uh, began, we uh, only had availability 
uh, of Truvada in Australia, so the, the patented med medication, and we didn't have access to generics. So the price was pretty high, um, and nobody at that stage, while it has been clearly demonstrated the individual level effect, the population level efficacy was, was very unclear. And so essentially we, we talked to the government about data from mathematical modelling, which suggested that if you implement um, um, PrEP very quickly and that you target it to those at high risk and aim for substantial levels of coverage in those at, at high risk, that would maximise the success for, um, of the implementation because it would maximise not just the prevention in individuals, but it would maximise um, possible herd protection uh, through, through prevention of ongoing transmission. So it was really testing that hypothesis that rapid, targeted and scale, uh, uh, um, rollout to scale could lead to a rapid decline in HIV infection. What would you say were the main findings of the EPIC NSW study? Yeah, so in, in the paper, we, we divide our findings into the findings within the cohort, and then the, uh, which speak more or less to individual level efficacy, and then findings um, statewide, which, um, which obviously speak more to population level uh, um, uh, effectiveness. So based on the behaviour that these men uh, reported at baseline and previous cohort studies in Sydney, we expected an incidence of at least uh, two per hundred person years, and based on the size of the, the um, the cohort, that would have been about 80 infections in the cohort. In fact, we only saw two infections in the cohort, or about one in 2,000 person years. And those two infections were not drug failures. They, they both occurred in men who quite clearly had stopped taking PrEP at the time of infection. Um, so the only infections we've seen in the study have been in men who stopped taking PrEP. The, the statewide response we got was, was probably, uh, I think, uh, more novel and more exciting. Um, we saw in the 12 months after recruitment of our initial target of 3,700, a 25% um, decline in HIV diagnoses in men who have sex with men in the state. And um, using our surveillance definition of recently acquired HIV, we saw a, 32, a larger 32% decline in those recently acquired HIV infections. So you seem to have really shown a population level effect and that herd effect that you were talking about in your previous answers. Yeah, we, we have. And, and I, we hope very much that that makes uh, policymakers in similar settings around the world realise just how much there is to gain by uh, introducing PrEP in this fashion ra rather than just implementing it as an individual-based intervention, which of course helps the individuals, thinking um, much like vaccine implementers think about, about getting coverage so that that herd protection leads to a, a, a very rapid decline in um, new HIV infections in the community that is mixing in that herd. While running the EPIC study, you very quickly reached your target recruitment and indeed doubled it during the course of the study, during the course of the follow-up. Why was, do you think, uh, recruitment so successful? So I think this goes back to uh, what I was talking about earlier, the, the government leadership. So uh, I think the government re has, has understood it in for a long time in New South Wales that successful prevention involves funding community-based organisations to do a lot of the work with marginalised communities, particularly in gay and bisexual men, that government finds it difficult to, to do. So in, in New South Wales we have 
an organization called ACON, which has existed since the early days of the epidemic, and that their primary duty is to work uh, with the gay and lesbian communities, um, uh, health issues, and most prominently HIV, of course. So ACON were tasked um, with the community engagement and education side of this, and they uh, really had a multi-pronged approach to this, which started with uh, large-scale community fora where they imparted the news about PrEP effectiveness. They got international researchers like Bob Grant from San Francisco to talk to the community and really uh, began to build demand by pushing past the scepticism uh, which many gay men had before about whether this was truly effective. Um, a lot of um, a smaller scale fora in bars and pubs around the state, not only in Sydney but also in regional centres, uh, and then a, a large amount of online material as well um, um, in the digital space. And that was there was quite an investment in that, um, but it, it worked extremely well so that by the time we uh, opened recruitment in March uh, 2016, the community was, was really raring to go and um, the speed of recruitment surprised us all, I think. Um, we hoped to get that 3,700 in a 12-month period and in fact got it in uh, an eight-month period. And um, by the very end of the study, and the study didn't cease recruitment until April of this year, we had over 9,500 participants. So it has been a very popular um, intervention uh, amongst the gay community and, and most particularly among men at high risk. And do you think you've now maxed out the pool of people who want access, access to PrEP or do you think that there's, uh, are, there, are there people who can't get onto the study or anything like that? The recruitment curve in the study, the, the week by week recruitment curve where we were tracking recruitment remained virtually straight the entire time. We didn't see it slowing down of recruitment towards the end but on April the 1st this year, um, the drug was subsidised for um, public use by the Australian government, uh, meaning that all, all Australians can now, all Australians at risk, can access the drug at very affordable rates through a, a, through a small monthly copay. Um, and so the study did close at that time when there was another way uh, of accessing uh, PrEP through the through the public health service. Results reported in the paper uh, clearly show a beneficial effect of PrEP, both for individuals and at a population level. Um, but the effects vary between subgroups in the study, didn't they? Yeah, they certainly did. So the, the overall reduction in, um, uh, in new HIV infections, you remember, was 32%. But it was actually even more in some groups. So it was 50% in Australian-born um, men who have sex with men. And it was 50% um, in the in inner city um, men who have sex with men. So they were the groups in whom it was most effective. It was less effective in foreign-born uh, gay and bisexual men. So, um, for, for example, um, Sydney has a very large Asian population and it was um, much less effective in that population. It was also much less effective in the outer suburbs of Sydney and their areas which are really quite ethnically diverse and where we think that men um, are sex with men have much looser uh, connections with gay community or no connections at all. They, they may well be bisexual men or uh, who are not connected to community and our means of communicating was mainly through community organisations. 
Um, so it's a real challenge for us into the future to, to work with those groups. And um, certainly the work with the foreign language speaking groups has begun, uh, but it's, it's, it's a huge challenge. Um, we have enormous populations of international students in Sydney, for example, and there's a lot of turnover in those groups. So the keeping knowledge high will be difficult. And, and working with those men who are not, not uh, gay identifying or less gay community attached will be a real challenge for us because um, our interventions up until now have really been based on men who are in, in touch and in contact with gay community organisations. So uh, it, it's a challenge. Right, so that's speaking to what you were saying earlier about, about the community engagement and the crucial role they played in alerting people to the uh, you know the potential of prep and about the study um yeah. you need you need to find an in with these populations that you're not currently reaching yeah that's right and you know what I, I have talked to uh, Sheena McCormack of the Dean Street Center in in London and it it may well be that you're seeing something quite similar in London with with very large reductions at some central London clinics and um lesser reductions in more outlying clinics and and possibly uh, that may have something to do with gay community connectedness as well. Yeah, I mean, with the uh, impact study that we're we've got in the UK, some of the some of the clinics have filled all their spaces for the men who have sex with men participants, but then there's these spaces for other populations and other groups of people in different areas, which are you know haven't managed to fill yep. their spaces yet. So yeah, I think that, so. sort of that rings true. I think. My next question then will follow on quite nicely from that. So, yeah, PrEP is, is gaining a lot of worldwide interest as a public health intervention. So what would you say are the key lessons learned from the EPIC NSW study for PrEP implementation and scale-up in other settings and other populations? So I think the, the key lesson uh, for sceptical policymakers around the world who have been hanging back from funding PrEP is that there is an enormous amount to be gained from rolling out PrEP in uh, men who have sex with men. And uh, it shouldn't be done um, slowly or tentatively, but to gain maximum benefit, we should follow the evidence that was suggested in mathematical modeling and, and we think is very much backed up by the EPIC New South Wales study and do it at scale, do it quickly and target it to those most at risk. And by doing so, um, uh, and by involving public health people in this response who understand the concepts of herd protection, uh, by doing so, we will maximise the benefit to uh, the community. And, and, and really, in, in similar settings which have been stuck at a certain level for a long time, really begin to turn the epidemic around and, and point that curve down. Thanks very much for talking to us today, Andrew, and I very much hope for continued success uh, with uh, PrEP implementation in Australia and I hope to see these sorts of results and these sort of efforts replicated elsewhere. Yeah, let's hope we see them coming out of your UK study uh, sometime soon. Okay, well thank you very much. Thanks Peter.